Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A trial that just ended, and we're waiting for the, the verdict, which we're told will be on the 24th of March, is the trial of John Gomeshi, the sexual assault trial. And um, I had a question just looking at various news stories and checking people's views online and listening to talk radio and... Uh, the question is, will the trial's impact be as great outside the courtroom as it's proven to be inside the courtroom? Uh, Chris Murphy is, I just want to tell the studio, I cannot control the phones. So maybe you can put Chris on there for me. Um, Chris Murphy is a Toronto criminal lawyer, former prosecutor, has argued cases at the Supreme Court of Canada, and uh, was on the air with us last weekend and spoke to the case as it had developed to that point. Chris wrote a very interesting column in the Toronto Sun today about um, about this case and and what's been going forward. Chris, thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me, Ray. The uh, the question that I the first question I had in a, in a way it ties into what you wrote in the column. I, I wondered at times who was on trial, whether it was Gameshi or the women who accused him with violence and sexual assault. And I'm not the only person to come away with that feeling. So. I guess the next question is, does that mean the defense did its job exceedingly well, and did the defense dominate? Well, uh, it was Gomeshi on trial. Uh, you know, he was the one that was potentially facing time in jail. He was the one that was facing being on the sexual offender database for the rest of his life, giving a DNA sample, etc. So it was always Mr. Gomeshi on trial. And the complainants who came forward were cross-examined in a very fair manner by um, Marie Hannon. The Crown had never, during the course of the trial, suggested that Ms. Hannon had asked any questions that were unfair, or uh, the judge didn't suggest at any point that anything that Marie Hannon did was unfair. She just cross-examined the witnesses on their previous inconsistent statements, essentially, and it came out that by the time the trial was finished, their credibility was severely damaged. And it's not necessarily unique to a, a sexual assault trial. Uh, the credibility was an issue, and their credibility was damaged uh, through a fair process. So uh, has the Gameshi trial then, and uh, reading your column, I come away with the, with the sentence, and we've talked about this on the air, that people, particularly in the age of social media, will make a determination on what they think about whether someone's guilt or, or, or innocence once a charge is laid, and certainly when the case goes to court and, and becomes tried, there's this this immediate brush fire of opinion that forms on social media. Has the Gameshi trial provided insights into the Canadian justice system which we ordinarily wouldn't have been aware of? Or what are we getting out of this now, Chris? I think so. I, I think that the media presentation, generally speaking, of this case has been that it's the complainants who are on trial. And I, I think that, I mean, I went to watch the trial. I, when I, when I watched the testimony of the complainants, really the issue was whether or not they were being truthful. And many media outlets have said that, you know, they use the term whack a complainant. And this is not what happened in this case. This case was just an issue of whether or not the complainants were telling the truth. There was nothing to corroborate the testimony of, of the witnesses. There's no forensic evidence. So at the end of the day, the judge has to rely on only the testimony of the complainants to be satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt that Gomeshi did these things. And when the credibility of the complainants is 
severely undermined, it's just very difficult for a judge to make that finding beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think, again, I, I really hope that that women and just people generally don't think that there cannot be a successful sexual assault prosecution in this country because that's very far from the truth. Well, I want just, to tell you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. It's just it's just very important, obviously, like it is for any trial, whether it's a sexual assault trial, a regular assault trial, a fraud trial. It's just very important for the witnesses to come forward to be very candid and truthful. And if if you are not candid or truthful under oath, you just cannot expect at the end of the day that the judge is going to convict based on your word alone. Is it candid and truthful? or And uh, there's another point I want to make in a minute, but is it candid or truthful? Or I'm sorry, I forgot that this sequence of events happened after... I'm telling you in court about the sequence of events that I'm complaining about. Well, no, no judge would ever expect any witness to be 100% accurate in their recollection. But in this case, again, like just if you use Miss Decouter as an example, she testified that she only wanted to be friends with Mr. Gomeshi. She testified simply that. She, one of the reasons why she was continuing to contact Mr. Gomeshi was because she kind of felt sorry for him in a way. And that's fine. If that's, if that's her recollection and that's what her testimony is, that's, that's fine. Uh, there's no reason to disbelieve her because of that. But when you're then faced with emails that make it clear that you had some sort of sexual interest in Mr. Gomeshi, the testimony that you've given to the crown attorney, to the judge under oath, just becomes very suspect because it appears as though she was attempting to convey herself in such a way as to say, I just want to be friends with this guy after the alleged assault. But, you know, her own, her own writings made it very clear that that was not, in fact, the case. So whether she forgot or not, it's either a credibility issue or it's a reliability issue. Either way, it makes her it makes the weight that can be given to her testimony uh, limited. Chris, are we then, are you saying, are you suggesting that we may have an insight now into how the judge is going to decide on the 24th of March, that maybe, given, as, as in your professional view, given what he heard and the evidence that was brought before him, that reasonable doubt is going to exist in his mind? I have I have no doubt that Mr. Gomeshi is going to be acquitted on all these counts. I, I mean, I, I've I, I put it at five percent the chance of him being convicted on anything in this trial, from what I've seen. And when it began, what would you have said the odds might have been then? And there'll be people well, who struggle who startled by what you just said. Right when when it began, uh, I expected fully that Mr. Gomeshi would at least have to testify to give his version of events. You know, the, the defense closed its case without calling any evidence. Mr. Gomeshi was not called to the witness stand to answer to any of these allegations. And the reason for that was simply that I believe Ms. Hannon understood that there was no need to call her client as a witness because the damage had been done in cross-examination by Ms. Hannon. And really, there's just no point of getting Mr. Gomeshi up there on the stand and be cross-examined, for instance, on his now infamous Facebook post from 2014. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more. And I want to tell you about uh, an email I received.
from a woman who wants to be anonymous, but it was a very interesting email I received two days ago. Chris Murphy is my guest, trial lawyer in uh, in Toronto, and he's been covering the Gomeshi case for the Toronto Sun and for the E! Network. We'll come right back. I'm on Twitter at The Roy Green Show, and you can email anytime to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. My guest is Chris Murphy, criminal lawyer in Toronto, former drug prosecutor. He's argued cases before the Supreme Court of Canada, and we're talking to Mr. Murphy about the Gomeshi trial. Chris covered it for E and for the Toronto Sun. Reading from, uh, Chris, from your column in The Sun today, uh, in late 2014, Gomeshi posted a message on Facebook announcing he was into consensual BDSM, and that the allegations that were about to ensue were, quote, salacious gossip in a world driven by hunger for scandal, end quote. On cue, the media countered by reporting that Gameshi had sexually assaulted many women. Ever since, it appears that many have simply assumed that Gameshi is guilty of at least something. This assumption appears to have survived even the systematic dismantling of the complainant's credibility at the Gameshi trial. Indeed, since the complainant's in-court implosions, the public clamor against the criminal justice system's insensitivity toward victims has apparently increased. You told us you're 95% sure that Gameshi uh, is going to be acquitted of all charges. What I just read from your column this morning, do you think there's going to be a continued sense, and this is going to lead to the next question, is there going to be a continued sense in this country, or an accelerated sense, that something went wrong, in that courtroom, and that the alleged victims were treated unfairly by the system? Well, I think something did go wrong in the courtroom, and I don't know what exactly it was. Uh, if I had to bet, I would think it was with regards to the police investigation at the outset. Uh, there was the, the police investigation was limited to very brief interviews of the three complainants. There didn't seem to be much follow-up uh, into areas that are were obviously going to be areas that would be cross-examined on. I think so. That's I think that's where there might be some blame to be placed here. With regards to the second part of the question, I, I just hope again. I just hope that women do not believe that coming forward to the police is a zero-sum game, because I believe that if the investigations are conducted properly and the complainants come forward and just tell the police everything, air all their dirty laundry to the police, and just be 100% truthful that convictions can occur. And, I, again, I just, I just hope that this case does not send the message to complainants in the future that there's no point, because there is a point, and I, I really strongly believe that. This brings us almost full circle to the first conversation we had when you wrote that column in the Toronto Star in 2014 about having given advice to women you knew who approached you and said, I've been sexually assaulted by a man they knew. And, uh, and, and you advised them not to go and lodge a complaint with police because if it went to trial and it was somebody they knew, that would turn into a he said, she said situation and the alleged assaulter would be acquitted. You changed your point of view. That's what your column was about, that you were not going to give that advice to women going forward when you have two little daughters yourself. I received an email day before yesterday from a woman who said, I trust you to maintain my anonymity. I get a lot of those emails. And this woman said, she wrote, 
But based on what she has seen, this goes back to your last answer, based on what she's seen, heard, and observed in the Gameshi trial, she's not going to come forward with a complaint that she was thinking of laying based on what she observed in that trial. I don't know how to answer that email. Well, I mean, this is my strong feeling, okay? And uh, this is what changed my view back in 2014, is that a victim of a sexual assault has nothing to be ashamed of at all, 0%. Just like if you leave your bike unattended and it gets stolen, you've got nothing to be ashamed of. So if you start from that premise and you, and you go into court with your head held high and you say, listen, I may have had... 50 sexual partners before. I know what consensual sex is. This was not consensual. I was sexually assaulted. This is my story. Um, you've got nothing to be ashamed of. And if you get cross-examined on the details of it, that's fine. If you're getting cross-examined on the details of something that you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to be ashamed of, you can stand in court with your head high and answer those questions. And you walk out of court with your head held high and if the person gets acquitted, the person gets acquitted. Your your self worth, in my and this is easy for me to say, I, I acknowledge this, but your self worth doesn't have to hang on whether or not that judge finds beyond a reasonable doubt that the person is guilty, because you have done nothing wrong and you've come to court and you've told your story and you've been very honest and you've done what you can do, and I just hope that that message can reverberate to women across the country because I think it's really important for them to understand that and that these complainants in the Gomeshi case should not be the the um, the examples to women going forward because quite frankly it appears from the evidence that these women were being less than forthright less than forthright the women and not a case of uh, you mentioned the police earlier and the investigation uh, and not a case of them being given uh, wrong advice for not being given advice to not lay a charge or a complaint. Well, yeah, I mean, the police are... It becomes very, it becomes very murky for people who are not involved in the justice system and who may be involved in a, in a sexual assault situation. Well, police are not social workers, so that's, that's part of the problem, too. There's been a shift in the police force, in my, in my opinion, right. to just, you know, essentially treat people who are alleging sexual assault differently in the sense that they don't ever question what's being told to them. And it, there's a big difference between saying, well, I think you're lying to me, but and, and following up and asking for other avenues of, of, of where the evidence might lead and, and conduct an investigation. You, you're, your police officers are not social workers. Their the job is to investigate. If they understand what a cross-examination is going to entail, they should, can, they should conduct an investigation and gather evidence in those distinct areas so that a complainant, when she comes forward at trial, has all the information that the defense will have, essentially. But uh, there's just been a, there's been a shift for, from the police's perspective where they just kind of, they're passive recipients of information. In these sexual, sexual assault investigations, and I think that's that's part of the problem. Chris, we have about 30 seconds. Uh, you say you're 95% sure that the judge will acquit on all charges. Would you would you think that that would be a shared opinion within the legal community? I think so. It would be a shared opinion of the people who watched the trial. 
I think. Um, people who read the media, it may it may not be the shared opinion, but the people who are actually in court and who watched okay. the trial, I, I think that's the opinion that most would have. Russ Murphy, thank you so much for joining us today and last weekend and, and really bringing us up to date on, on, on the trial. There's lots to come. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you for having me. Chris Murphy. Wow. 95% sure. Acquittal for Gameshi.